0: We are in a series where we're revisiting a, uh, what might be helpful in aligning our spirit with God. It might seem like we're revisiting the Christian basics, but that's not what this is. It's, it's revisiting the, the rudiments of what a re- right relationship with God looks like. As we said before, being a child of God is not just about getting to heaven. It's not about just getting a ticket out of what we deserved as a result of our own sin that separated us from God. It's about us living out eternity right now. It's not just waiting for eternity to come. You're living the eternity eternally as God's child today if you belong to Him in saving faith to Jesus Christ. When I was very young, uh, from my freshman year to my senior year, in youth ministry, we went through 11 youth leaders. We were really bad kids, I guess. I'm not really sure. One guy lasted three days. He got hired on Friday, and he quit on Monday. I'm like, are we really that bad? Uh, Oscar and I could probably uh, tell you some stories of some of, the, some of these guys. And, and I remember being really bothered that we didn't have a, a, a real youth ministry in, my, in our church. And, uh, you know, Pastor Mark shared with me, uh, obviously not too long ago, that some of the things that bother you the most are the things you're most passionate about. When you hear someone that is bothered by something, they are probably revealing an area of their life that God said, hey, I want you to be passionate about this. I want you to meet the need here in a way that just disturbs you on the inside. What is it that you can do do to join me in what I'm doing with this? That bothered me a lot with uh, what was happening with our youth ministry. I just wanted to have, I hear about these churches that have these thriving youth ministries and I didn't want to go anywhere else. I wanted our church to have this thriving youth ministry. And I graduated. That that opportunity had passed, but it was still in my heart. And I really felt that this is what where God was leading me. And I went into my pastor's office and I shared with him that I felt that God was calling me into ministry. And I remember him and his in his office with this stressed out look on his face. He took off his glasses and looked at me and said, Zeke, listen to me. If you can do anything else, do that. Unless you know beyond a shadow of doubt that God's called you. I said, no, I, I think he has. And, um, and so I developed this plan about how I was gonna serve God in youth ministry. I, I came up with my own strategy, my own plans on how this was gonna happen, which was mistake number one. I uh, moved here to Houston because this is where my family was from. I quit the job that I had in El Valle and I came out here to Houston. And I was going to work for three, week, uh, three weeks, for three months, to save up some money. And so I was going to live with my family, get some job, save up as much as I could, because I got accepted to a college in Marietta, California. And so I, just, I got accepted there. I just wanted to save up some money for my first semester. And I found the highest paying, hardest job I could find, which was flood damage restoration. I don't know if you ever done any flood damage work, but it is uh, grueling work, but high paying. I would go to work at 7 a.m. I wouldn't walk through the threshold of my house in the evening until 9 p.m. every day. This was one of the most difficult jobs I had. It was the reason why it was so long is because we had crazy business this company. When I finished training, it was when Hurricane Ike started to form. We didn't know it was gonna hit Houston. But once it hit, I mean we, we had jobs every day, huge jobs every day. And on paper, I was making a lot of money. I kept going and I remember coming home so late at night just thinking, God, I can't keep this up. I, I am beyond exhausted. Please give me strength to do this another day so I can continue serving you. I told the Lord, I got, God, I can't keep this up. I am beyond exhausted. I don't know how long I keep doing this, but you know what? Just give me another day. I'm only going to be doing this for three. This is just a season, right, Lord? You've called me to do this. This is, about, this is according to your plan, right? This is your ideas. Um, give me another. Give me strength for another day so I can get this money so I can go to Baba College. I had this non-refundable one-way plane ticket to Ontario, California with a, uh, a shuttle from the school scheduled to pick me up. This day was quickly approaching, but I still hadn't gotten paid yet. A week goes by, still no money. Two weeks, I started making phone calls to this company like, hey, what's going on? I'm not the only one who wasn't getting paid. Four weeks go by. No money. Here's the problem. I had saved a little little bit of money, but I had to spend that to buy some tools so I could get through these jobs a lot quicker. I ended up with these new tools, no money in the savings thinking that I would not only make up the cost for these tools, but I would have even more so at the end of this, and I had nothing. I remember I was sitting in my bed with this plane ticket in my hand, no payments yet, no savings, no money, and I had these tears coming down my face, just wondering, praying, asking God, what happened? I've been working so hard so I could do this for you. I've been working so hard so, I can put myself in a place to be trained to do the, the work that you've called me to do. I've had this all planned out, Lord. What happened? I still wanted to reach people for Christ. I, I sought to do my part in expanding the kingdom of God, and I was willing to do the hard work. But yet, the result was failure. I was confused as to why God did not bless my efforts to do his will. Notice, I was wondering why God did not bless my efforts, my plan, as to how I was going to serve him, what I wanted to do for him. How often do we come up with our own plans on what we want to do for God, and then expect God to get on board with those plans and bless our efforts? Is that how the servant-master relationship is supposed to work? Hey, God, here are the things that I'm good at. And here are the things that I want to do for you. And by the way, I'm going to need your help to do all this. My plans, though maybe admirable, had been misdirected. My efforts were being misdirected. The Lord was waiting for me to surrender to him first. The Lord was waiting for me to surrender my next steps to him, making myself available for the work that he wanted to do. He began changing my perspective. Cha- challenging me to see that there is a difference between man-centered and god-centered activity. I found a local church and volunteered to serve there in their youth ministry. Only this time I didn't have my I didn't develop My own plans or my own ideas on what I needed to do. I simply served, served as needs presented themselves. I was given a group, a little small group of eight students. That group grew on Wednesday nights. Then they put us all in a class, and that class grew. And all I was doing is what God said in moment-to-moment obedience. Obedience. Later on, they put me in a, in a couple other classes on Sunday mornings. At the time, I was serving at a—I was working. I had a, I found a job. I was working at a, at a dog hotel, a hotel for dogs. Okay, and uh, I was in charge of upselling people who wanted to schedule uh, a stay with us. And uh, we—and I, I would upsell them in, uh, instead of getting this little room for their dog. I would say, "Oh no, they don't need the dog. They don't need that little room. They need a suite." That has a bed, a full human sized bed with a TV in the corner with doggy massages every day and frosty paws to eat as a snack. I'm gonna write these $500 tickets. I was good at this. I don't know. I was like, all right, I got really good at this, Lord. What am I doing with my life? What am I doing here, Lord? Is this the plan? Is this what I'm gonna be doing? Bible says, "Do all things to the glory of the Lord." I was selling those sweets to the glory of the Lord. I guess, trying to do the things the best I could wherever I was, but asking the question, "God, is this it?" Praise the Lord that a pastor from that church she took me out to lunch and said, "Zeke, we'd like for you to come on staff with us." Okay, please get me out of this dog hotel, guys. It was this is a crazy journey. They hired me as a middle school guy, and again, my, my perspectives didn't change. Lord, you know I have nothing to offer. I can only follow you. I don't do a lot of things right. But one thing we can always do right is what the Lord calls us to do moment to moment. Got hired as the middle school guy, the youth pastor left. They asked me about what in-room. Two summers went by, hired me full-time, and I got to serve there for eight and a half years. Doing what God called me to do way back when. That passion that God instilled. Speaking in the life of young people. A passion that's still very much on fire today. Not because my plan worked out the way I set out for it, the way I thought it should work out. Nothing really shifted in any real impactful way until I surrendered my own self everything about what I was going to do for the Lord over to him. I saw that God could do more in just a few weeks than I could ever accomplish in the years of my own efforts. Some of us, like myself, have to learn this the hard way. I had to learn a very important understanding about the Lord's work. It is not about the task. It is about the relationship. And I hope that will become very clear by the end of this. I had been so busy working hard for God that I hadn't spent any real time in enjoying fellowship with God. I wasn't going to church. I was too busy. I had too many jobs to do. I wasn't doing a lot of prayer. I was too exhausted. As soon as I got home, my head hit the pillow, and I was out. The next memory I had was waking up, getting ready for work. I was working for the Lord. I'm doing all this for God. His kingdom work became about the task, not about the relationship. The more I grew in my personal relationship with God, the more he accomplished his purposes in my life. Listen to me. If a job or a life plan comes at the expense of your relationship with God, then your efforts are probably being misdirected. I want us to see something very clear about who Jesus was. If there's anybody on this planet who has ever lived who should know what God wants him to do, it was Jesus. But I want you to see his perspective in a very impactful passage of God's word. You see, God will not call you to do something that compromises your relationship with him. He does not need you to do anything for him. The reason he wants you involved is because he loves you. which is, I hope, something that we see in this passage. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to John chapter 5. We're going to be in verse number 17. As you're turning there, let me ask you this question. What is the will? When we talk about free will or, or the will of God or when we're talking about the will, what is it? What is the will exactly? If Jesus is going to be our model as to what it means to follow the will of God, what is the will? The will is defined as the faculty by which a person decides on and initiates action. If that's the case, then who initiates the will of God? You? You say, this is what I want to do for God? I'm going to to fulfill the will of God in my life, and I'm going to do it this way. Do we initiate the fulfillment of God's will in your life? This is going to be important. The answer to that question will be important later. Here's what's happening in this passage, just to give us a little bit of background, what's going on in this this verse. Jesus had just healed the paralytic paralytic. And he, and he and he told him to pick up his bed and walk. And this took place on the Sabbath, which you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so, the Jews at the time that were upset about this are going to be addressed by Jesus himself. This is verse number 15. The man, the paralytic, went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him, who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Verse number 19, Jesus came, Jesus gave them this answer. Truly, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him he, even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. All right, let's unpack this just a little bit. First thing to notice here is how interested these guys were in the task of keeping the Sabbath. They weren't walking with God in moment to moment obedience here. Otherwise, they would have seen the real need in this paralytic and would have rejoiced at the fact that he was healed. What were they missing? What became important in that moment? The task of the Sabbath. The relationship was missing. Jesus said to them, hold on, do you think that I'm the one that's doing this? Do you think this work is by my own hand? I can do nothing by myself. They, they consider what Jesus was doing as work, work working on the Sabbath. And so he tells him in verse 17, my father is working. My father is always at work, even to this day. You're you're not accusing me for this work. I can do nothing by myself. Your accusations are actually against my father. He did this on this very day that that you're so upset about. They ignore this point and say, oh, he said, my father. Are you saying you are equal with God? He, Jesus just made an incredible point. Say, I can't do this. You know I can't do this. And they focus on the words, my father. Interestingly, Jesus did not say your father or our father. I think he was being more purposeful than they, than they realized. Now, let's just think for a second here. Why did Jesus heal this man? Why create a ruckus like this? Jesus followed the law, and it's true that they were not to labor on the Sabbath. That was true. So why did Jesus do this? Jesus was correcting their understanding. This isn't all that different than the several times that Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I tell you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. Now you've heard it said, uh, do, 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 not, uh, do not kill, do not murder. But I tell you, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've committed murder already. You've, you have heard, do not commit adultery. But I'm telling you, if you look after a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart already. He's clarifying what the word of God says, the law of God, giving them an understanding that they didn't have. In this case, Jesus was showing them God's continuous work in his creation, this work that he was doing, is justified. It is justified for his, uh, he was justified in doing this on the Sabbath. In other words, yes, God rested from his work on the seventh day of creation, which is where the Sabbath comes from, emulating God's rest on the seventh day, but God still sustains the whole universe on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath day, God still brings new life into the world. On the Sabbath, God God still administers judgment. It was not a violation of God's law to be God's instrument of grace and mercy on the Sabbath. Jesus was only doing, listen to me, he was only doing what God Himself was already doing. And so he says, probably the most important words of our study this morning, verse number 19. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Listen, if, if we're serious about seeking the will of God, here's a question we need to stop asking. What is God's will for my life? That is the wrong starting point. If we're serious about seeking the will of God, this would be a wrong starting point because it is a self focused question. What is God's will for my life? The better question would be what is God's will? Look, we are naturally self-focused people. We tend to view the happenings in this world and and, and even God's activities sometimes in terms of how it affects me. But, I mean, of course, we want to know what we should do and and how those things will affect us, but that is actually a very inward-focused perspective. Once I know the will of God, it's only then that my life will gain the proper perspective and I can now confidently and joyfully adjust my life to what God is doing. In other words, we need to stop wondering what you should be doing for God and start joining him in what he's already doing. Jesus was just seeing what God was doing and joining in with his work. What is God purposing to accomplish where I am? The servant master relationship is very sweet. This is not the master telling the servant, here's what I want you to do, go do it. Come back and give me a report. That's not what God does at all. God doesn't say, here's the task, go out into the field and accomplish it, and come back and tell me how it went. Now, a good master would give the person the tools and, and make sure he's equipped to do the task that he is assigned. God's even better than that. God doesn't send you out in the field. God's already in the field. He's calling his beloved to come join him in the field. Here, I want you to come do this. I don't know how to do that, I know. Come over here, I'm gonna show you. I want you to do this with me let me ask you this. When Jesus said, I can only do what I see my father doing, what ministry work do you think Jesus was gifted at? What do you think Jesus would have been good at doing, ministry-wise? What gifting do you think he had that he could utilize for the furtherance of God's kingdom? Which one? The the gifts that we see described in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Which one of those do you think was uh, elevated in Jesus' life? Which one do you think he could have exercised to benefit the people around him, to fulfill the will of God in some sort of way? I mean, all of them. Which one one didn't he have? And yet he said, I only do what I see my father doing. In fact, he said, I can only do what I see my father doing. Again, in, in the life of Jesus, who initiated the will of God? Not Jesus. He said, I only, do, I only go where I see my father going. Who initiates the will of God? It's not us. He does. This is about what God is doing right now where you are, in your place of work, in your family, in your neighborhood, at your school, in this church. Listen, if we don't figure out what God is already doing and join in, you can spend many years working out your own plan on what you think you should be doing and end up feeling lost, miserable, confused. It happens. It happens to people in church all the time. It happens to to ministry leaders and pastors even. We'll tell God things like, well, this is what I want to do for you. This is is what I want to do for you at work. Okay, but that's not what I'm doing at your place of work. God, this is what I want to do for you at school. okay, but that's not what I'm doing at your school. God, this is what I want to do for you in my family. Okay, but that's not what I'm doing in your family. God, this is what I want to, do, want to do this is what I want to do for you at church. Okay, but that's not how I'm working in your church right now. You know, your pastors. Pastor Mark, Pastor Terry, humbly came before the Lord and asked him, God, what are you doing in this community? And how can we as your church join you in that work? That question led them down a journey that ultimately led to a very clear plan that did not come from the mind of men but it was a revelation of what God was already doing. Something you guys are going to be hearing very soon. Listen, instead of just doing something for God, the example we have in Jesus here is to surrender ourselves wholly, I mean completely, and commit to joining in the work that he's already started. The last thing to consider from this passage is something so very important. I hope this sticks with us for a long time. Why does God desire for us to partner with him at all? I mean, he doesn't need you to do anything. If he's already accomplishing his purposes, and he doesn't need us to do any of it, why involve us at all? Listen, through action or inaction, man cannot thwart the plans of God. God will never be up in heaven looking down and go, oh, my plans are ruined. Thanks a lot, Pastor Mark. Thanks a lot, Zeke. Thanks a lot, Pastor Terry. I had an idea that I wanted to. He's never up in heaven wondering what happened. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Okay, he's not surprised at how things pan out specifically in regards to his, his will. That's what sovereignty is. Whether we obey him or not, God's word teaches us that his purposes will be fulfilled. Isaiah 46.9 says, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purposes. So then why must we join in? Why do we play a part at all? Why must we join him in this effort? Jesus answers that question in a profound way in verse number 20. And I want you to read this very carefully. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he does. You know, when I was young, my my dad he was the plant manager of this giant factory in Mexico in Zacatecas, Mexico. Concepción de Loro. We would go there every summer, spend the whole summer with my dad. One of the things he would do with his managerial staff is he would uh, he would organize this big chess tournament. It was a big it was a big deal. Every year they did this chess tournament, and my dad would play, and he was really good at chess and yeah, they would give out these really big prizes for the, you know, the top performers, the, the, the winners. And I remember I was about 11, uh, and my dad said, uh, Hey, Ezekiel, I want you to uh, here, come, come over here. Come, come play chess with me. I need to practice. I said, Dad, I, I don't know how to play chess. He's like, I know. I'm going to show you. I'll teach you how to play. And he did. I mean, he, show, he showed me all the pieces. He told me what they did, how to move. We, and we, we played a game. And every day when he would come home from, from work, we'd play a game. We spent hours playing this game, and I got really into it. I, I, I got really into uh, uh, learning how to, uh, to strategize. I had a lot of questions, and he would teach me some ideas, but I had a lot more questions on how to do certain things. And he said, well, look, if, you really wanna, if you're really interested in this, here, read this. This helped me out a lot. And it said chess for dummies. I even remember what it looked like. It was a yellow book with a big uh, black chalkboard on there. I had a, had a guy with a triangle face and short hair. I mean, I looked through this book, and I read as much as I could, I wanted to be as good as my dad and every day we would play and every day I would try something else I remember starting to coming up with my own ideas and I started coming up with my own strategies and I and I remember one time we were playing it's toward the end of the game and, and I moved this, this piece and he goes oh no son yeah yeah you can't do that I said why not he said well because because then I'll lose I'm like dad I remember this coming very sweet time with, with, with my dad. You know, when we're playing chess, my brothers and sisters couldn't bother us. It'd leave us alone while we we're playing chess. I got to spend all this time with dad, just me and him. It was years later. It dawned on me. My dad didn't teach me how to play chess because he needed someone to practice with. He didn't show me how to play chess while so i go home and start a chess club. He didn't teach me how to play so I could make a career out of this. He wanted to spend time with me. He taught me how to play chess because he loved me. It was a sweet time that I spent with my dad. Just me and him. God doesn't need you to do anything for him. Why does he involve you? Because he loves you. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing because he loves you. And how often do we take this, this opportunity and turn it to an empty task apart from God? God, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do this thing. I'll tell you how it went. Where are you going? I'm over here. I want you to do this with me. I want you to walk with me. I'm only calling you to do this because I want to spend this sweet time with you. And guys, there is not a more beautiful place in the world to be than in the will of God. Walking with him step by step, moment to moment obedience. This is what the Lord was doing. This is what Jesus was doing with God. As he walked with the Lord, God said, there. Yes, Lord. Day by day, moment to moment, when God said, here, he said, yes, I will go. As Pastor Terry said earlier, it's not a weekend visit. Here's the assignment, go. This is us walking with the Lord. It's a very, very different perspective. I'm hoping that we would walk in moving forward. What is God doing? Let us not ask anymore, what should I do for you, God? Let us ask, God, what are you doing? What are you doing here, Calvary? How can I join you with what you're doing? God, what are you doing in the content of my family? Because he's always working. That means he's working in your family. God, what are you doing in my family? And how can I join you? God, the place that I work, is far away from you. The people I work with are far apart from who you are. But Lord, you are always working. What are you doing in my place of work and how can I join you? Students, if you believe me, don't take my word for it. Take the word of Jesus. God is always working. That means he's working with you, around you, in your own school, in your own neighborhood, what is God doing in your school what is God doing in your neighborhood in your street God is always working well you know Zeke I haven't heard from God I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing I haven't I, I don't I don't hear this clear voice of what I'm supposed to be doing I just want to encourage you with one thing this is not in my notes but I want you to turn somewhere you guys have your Bibles turn over to John chapter 8 look into verse 47 probably one of the most sobering passages. But if we're not hearing from God, we need to consider there may be something going on here. If we're not hearing the direction from the Lord as if we are walking with him step by step, moment to moment. There may be something going on here. I want you to read something. This is in John chapter eight, verse number 47, it says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. You know when Jesus said? My sheep know my voice. He says, most sobering, the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Listen to me. It is not about the task. It is about the relationship. You walk with God and not allowing any earthly desire to obstruct that relationship. And you'll hear from him. You stop walking in this empty religion and start walking in saving faith in a relationship with God through saving faith. You stop trying to do the right thing and start walking with Him, and He'll lead you to live righteously. You stop trying to cut these things off and say, God, I surrender my whole self to you. You mold me in the way you see fit. Listen to me. If we are not walking with God in saving faith, that is our first step. God, I need to be right with you. I know that it it's my sin that separated me from you, but I don't want to be separated anymore. I want what Christ accomplished on the cross to count for me, too. Please forgive me. And please save me. Well, Zeke, I've done that, and I've been walking with the Lord for a long time now. Okay. Let's shift our perspective. Let's start walking with him in a very real way, moment to moment, joining him in what he's already doing.